You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. Welcome once again to the Locked On Hornets podcast. Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search again, Locked On Hornets. Walker Mail, Nada Edwards, and Doug Branson back in the studio with you here daily. Doug just coming back from Chicago. How was Chicago, Doug? It was delicious. Italian beef, Chicago-style hot dogs. Pizza galore. Uh, did you have any interesting experience with a waiter or waitress this time? Like you did, I believe, at Nashville, right? Or a bartender it was, right? No, they're, you know, in Chicago, they're just very direct. It's a lot like Philly. You need to know what you're ordering. I got called cuz a lot. And, uh, <laughs> Is that a Chicago thing? Yeah, then Chicago, they call you cuz. And But the, the guy at the, the hot dog stand looked at me and goes, grilled or raw? And I said, excuse me? Onions. He said, grilled or raw? I was like, what? Onions, man. I mean, he was so <laughs> yeah. annoyed with me. I was such a noob, but I did got you panic? Did you, did you find, spit it out? I didn't out panic. I just, I was trying to find out what language he was speaking so that I could speak his language. And he just wanted me to know. And that's just how Chicago is. And it was great. And the hot dog was amazing. I didn't take any offense. And we all just enjoyed ourselves. Where do you stand on the Chicago deep dish pizza? I, I love it. I mean, I can't eat much of it. It gives me gives me all the heartburn but i love it right i don't know i feel like it's pretty good not a where do you stand oh i love, it's, absolutely it's, love it well, but you're a new york guy right i yes, mean so I, I would it, imagine you have to go with new york style pizza over chicago new york pizza is superior chicago pizza is really really good though so you just like pizza you're just a fan yes, of pizza yes, oh, yes, all around yes, that's fine uh thanks again for coming back here with us we are daily now daily monday through friday again you don't have to wake up or you don't have to wake up you don't have to wait for i'm on the wake up call that's what happened there you don't just have to be asleep all <laughs> yeah, day. yeah you can be you don't even have to wake up we're going to come to you and we're in just going to be dreams. in your dreams it's going to be all of us in your dreams now we're going to be here every single weekday you don't have to wait a couple of days you don't have to wait a week we're going to be here every single day now monday through friday so seasons we're gonna, here we're going to be picking back up october 17th so they're going to be the first Hornets game. They will welcome the Milwaukee Bucks and now get us started for the regular season. And the Charlotte Hornets out at Chapel Hill for training camp this week, just a few days, and then they play the Boston Celtics. So the thing's starting to pick up for them as well, just as we had Hornets media day yesterday. We will have Rick coming up later, who will be sharing his thoughts on Hornets media day. And hopefully we can get somebody for you on Thursday working on a guest. Uh, so hopefully we can get him in on Thursday. But if not, we'll try to get him on either next week or one of these days sometime this week rick bennell charlotte observer we're coming up right yep rick bennell rick bennell coming up here in just a second so we're going to take a quick break uh quick break rick bennell and i got a chance to talk about all of his thoughts from the charlotte hornets media day and exactly what went on with kimba he shared his thoughts on his comments same with frank kaminsky and everybody who talked at the podium yesterday uh we'll be back with you after the break it's walker mail not edwards doug branson you're listening to the locked on hornets podcast you are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. Did he go with Myers Leonard as his first comparison as a big man hitting from the three-point line? Oh, Funny. did I say Leonard? I meant uh, Miles Turner. Okay, <laughs> you did. I think okay. you said Miles Leonard. That was Leonard. on me. Good start on that. That's a bad mistake. 
I know when I think shooting big men, Myers Leonard is the first guy that comes to mind. Absolutely. I was thinking Steve Clifford and I might be Hot the shot. same wavelength. Hot shot, there. Myers Leonard. <laughs> that's, that's his nickname. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Welcome back to the Locked On Hornets podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Walker Mail alongside Nada Edwards and Doug Branson, and we will go to the guest line here and welcome Rick Bennell from the Charlotte Observer on behalf of Hornets Media Day. A lot of stuff to get into. Rick, thanks for joining us. How are you today? Uh, absolutely. Woke up bright and early in Chapel Hill where it's... Uh very, very pretty right now. Yeah, Rick, and just to ask you about Chapel Hill, since we're on the discussion, I, I know the Hornets seemed like it was going to really help out chemistry, all of these guys going to training camp, going to Chapel Hill, bunking together, and that sort of thing. Do you think this is going to have a big impact, and what do you think the players think of them going all the way to Chapel Hill for training camp? Um I personally think, Walker, and this is nothing but an opinion, it's not based on any research, but... Um, I often think the idea of trooping off to somewhere else as a bonding exercise is probably exaggerated and somewhat outdated. Um, I'm not saying it's never useful, and it's probably more useful in a situation like this where you're dealing with a brand-new coaching staff and a brand-new front office. But in general, I kind of bought the reasoning when Steve Clifford said the the preseason of the China trip that adding more travel, you know, just didn't make sense that he didn't see any particular reason to be going someplace for training camp. Um, selfishly, I kind of got used to the idea of it being in Charlotte, North Carolina, <laughs> but I'm fine with this. <laughs> Absolutely. And Rick, while we're on the subject, once again, you know, Steve Clifford and his scheme, the transition from last year's to this year's under Coach Borrego, I think that was one of the things that I took away from Hornets Media Day with a lot of things to get to. I thought Frank Kaminsky coming out and throwing those what seemed to be subtle jabs at the old system, at the old coaching staff. Malik Monk is happy to move on with Coach Borrego here. I think Dwayne Bacon is excited to move on from that as well. Were you surprised to hear that from all of these players coming out and really seeming to be against Steve Clifford? I was just writing about that. I was doing a, a, an online-only uh, 10 observations for Media Day, sort of like a... Basically, what I, what I was doing there was kind of a Peter, Peter King kind of, I think this is what I think. And I was, I was not at all surprised that Malik Monk, um, he obviously felt um, underutilized last season, so it didn't surprise me at all that he would say something along those lines. I'm a little more surprised by Frank. Um, you know, because you and I have talked about this, that I really like Frank's sort of different sensibility. He's kind of a little more intellectual, and his, his sense of humor is a little more, you know, sort of uh, a biting. But I was surprised, since it really wasn't in response to anything specific about Cliff, that he pointed out that he kind of felt, you know, he kind of followed a loss for understanding of, of you know, some of the switches they were doing. I mean, he went on and on about you know, having, having a guard, uh, you know, point guard up in, in Chicago, um, but yeah, I mean, I kind of drew the same impression you did that, um, it appears that Frank thought that, that, uh, that Cliff's, Cliff's vision of how to be good with this, this roster had grown stale. Yeah, I, I think that's the number one thing. And it just felt like Rick that he kept going back to it. I mean, he kept yeah. saying a lot of, it wasn't just one in particular comment. 
He kept talking about that old regime under Steve Clifford and how excited he is to be under James Borrego. He used the term reactive this time with with Coach Borrego being here. And it it seems like really Kimball Walker and Marvin Williams we're going to be the two guys that probably didn't want Steve Clifford to leave the most. Not that it's they're not excited for JB to come in here, but it seemed like those were the two guys that were entrenched in the Steve Clifford ideology. Is that something you would agree with? Is there anybody else you thought was really entrenched in that as well? Well, here's the bottom line of what I think about this. I, I think I admired the work that Steve did as much as anybody. And I think that, you know, it was... There was, it was a reasonable time for Mitch Kupchak to make a change, and quite frankly, I think one of the people who would agree with that is Steve. I, I think if, if I, I, well, I have no doubt of the fact that Steve getting a fresh start in Orlando, this is the definition of all's well that ends well, that um, it, was, it was good to start over here, and it was good for Steve to take everything that he learned in his first NBA coaching assignment and now applying it in Orlando. I think everybody ended up for the better from this. Rick Bennell, the Charlotte Observer, joining us now on the Locked On Hornets podcast. And Rick, just transitioning to JB, Malik Monk comes out and really the first guy to let us know that they've been practicing with 12-second shot clocks. And it was pretty fun to see everybody's reaction to it, how different it was for everybody to try to adapt to that. What do you think of JB implementing this 12-second shot clock in practice? I think it's a, I think it's a good way to get their attention about something that he's very serious about. I will say something else about, about this Walker as far as projecting a, a little bit into the future. Um, they, they are changing enough about both the pace and the nature of the decision-making with the ball that I can pretty much guarantee that the offense is going to look ragged for the next three weeks. I think the way that you have to put place this in context, if you're watching any of the five preseason exhibitions, is this is going to look like a lab experiment, not like refinement. And I wouldn't, you know, we, we understandably as, as fans, um, we tend to make sweeping conclusions based on what is in front of us. I think it would be very dangerous to assume that what we see in this particular preseason is necessarily reflective of what this team is going to look like offensively 10, 20, 30 games into the season. Rick, with this new system, who are some of the guys that you think it benefits the least? Who are these guys that you think are probably going to be on the outside looking in more so than other players? Uh of the people who were in the core group last season, I certainly think that MKG is in for a significant transition in role. Um, and, and, you know, that was one of the things that I was looking for yesterday was what he, where his state of mind is. Uh, Walker, I, I, I'm guessing you had the same sort of reaction I did, which is that um, Michael could not have sounded more um, adaptive and and keeping a positive approach than in what he set up on that podium. You know, I liked it when he said, you know, when I asked him, I said, you know, are you at all concerned with them telling you that you're now primarily going to be a power forward when you have spent your entire NBA career as a small forward? I liked it when he said that those are just labels, and at the end of the day, he's still going to apply the things he does best, and what he does best is defend and rebound. Um, 
if I were Borrego, I'd be really happy with hearing that from him because, you know, it's a little, it's too late in MKG's career to for a significant reinvention, but if he's willing to adapt to what he does well, to what they need, they can get something out of him. I'm glad he's not, I'm, I'm glad he's not pouting in any way. I'm not implying that I thought that was going to be the case. But you never know how people who are used to being, you know, in, in one very significant role are going to react when you ask them to do something very different. No, I think he genuinely seemed to not mind the role, the adaptive change that he's going to have to do under James Borrego's system. I, I completely agree with you on that. And just transitioning another guy that a change is going to have to come for from the last couple of years is Nick Batum. There was a lot of, there was a couple players at least that commented on it. I know Tony Parker said he wanted him to be more aggressive. Kimba Walker said he wanted him to be more aggressive. It was a weird year as described by Kimba for Nick Batum last season, not playing for the French national team, having that injury. Uh, what do you expect from Nick Batum with Coach Borrego, Tony Parker, and Kimba Walker all wanting Nick Batum to be more aggressive? What do you think you see from him this season? I think that if I were James Borrego, that would be the number one item on my to-do list, would be figuring out a way for Nick to be more productive. Um, I, I would think that the only other thing that could be comparable would be figuring out a more effective way to get something out of Malik Monk. Uh, I, <laughs> you, you've heard me use this expression before. I think uh, a factor in, in bringing in Tony was, you know, Tony's got a real good track record, as he demonstrated with Boris uh, Dio, of, you know, be, being pretty good at kicking fellow Frenchmen in the butt. Um, Tony has been brought in here in part to be the Nick Whisperer. Rick Bennell joining us now on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Now, and it'll be interesting to see what James Borrego does with Nick Batum. And just interesting enough hearing Kimba Walker talk about Nick, how they need him to do the bigger things more that he does so well, the little things, and we've all Didn't talked he about put that. that well? I, I thought so. I, and, and Nick Batum, it's been I somebody. Love how he articulated the both both what's frustrating and interesting about Nick. <laughs> <laughs> and Rick, we got to talk about Kimba Walker here, who did address the media first and foremost. Just said it right off the bat that he'll answer all the free agency questions you have for media day and after that he wants to move on it's the biggest story from a player heading into this hornet season and probably has been for quite a while talking about one of the best probably the best hornet of all time uh he, he said he wants to be a hornet he said he doesn't imagine himself anywhere else he wants to be here what are your thoughts on his comments yesterday i think that kemba and i've always said that he's a classic product of great parenting i think that kemba is mature and classy and I think that that was his way of saying, I know that this is the elephant in the room. I'm not blind to that. So I'm going to deal with it now. And I don't want this to become a 82 game drama. I think he did it. I think his policy was excellent when he said, you know, he almost did a rope a dope yesterday. He said, you, you ask me anything you want to about this because this is the first and last time we're going to have this, this dialogue. And I, I thought that was perfectly fair on his part. Uh, having said that, Walker, you and I both know that there's no way that this is just going to go away. And I don't mean in terms of how I'll deal with it. I'm talking about how, you know, <laughs> there's no way in the world he's going to New York City and not have New York tabloids asking him about this, and it's going to come up again at the trade deadline. It can't help but come up again at the trade deadline. 
But what I liked about this is that Kemba said in no uncertain terms that his intention is to be a Hornet for the long haul. And what he has done very subtly without, you know, causing any, you know, know, he's not causing any issue when he does this, but in a subtle way he's essentially saying to Mitch Kupchak and Michael Jordan, Ball's in your court now, guys. What are you going to do about this? Right. It, it's it's up to the Hornets now. And, Rick, when you look at this team, let's say that it doesn't look as good heading into the second half of the season, that maybe the playoff hopes are, are slim or maybe they're still fighting for the eighth spot and it's still just kind of the same kind of feeling that we had in 2018, 2017, 2018. Do you think that would call for a possible Kimba Walker trade? What do you think would have to happen in order for Kimba Walker to be out of Charlotte? I think that no matter how much, I think, I'll, I'll, let me backtrack one second. I think that what Mitch said in, in June about how much they think of Kemba, I think that's totally accurate and it speaks for the entire organization. Anybody who translates that to, but, you know, that, they, that there's no possibility of him being traded between now and July, I don't buy that. Uh, the other nuance that I, that I would pass on, you know, uh, when it comes to NBA uh, salary cap management, my, you know, I'm the gospel according to Bobby Marks. And I thought that Bobby put it really well to me when I wrote about this a couple of months ago, that, the, that, that if they're ever going to trade Kemba, um, the longer they wait to do that, the less they're going to get in return. That makes a lot of sense to me. That does not, that, that, don't misconstrue what I'm saying. I'm not saying that as, advocating for them to trade Kemba. But I think that Bobby's absolutely right when he says, you know, those those pinpricks on the calendar in that, this regard. They were going to get more at, at, at the draft than they would have gotten at the beginning of the season. Right. They would have gotten more at the beginning of the season than they would probably get the trade deadline. And they certainly would, or would be getting more um, at the trade deadline than they will if they get a sign-and-trade next summer. But I don't think that that's I, I don't think that's the base of their salary. I think they're proceeding as if they're planning on playing, you know, having the end game here about what you know, and and with the intention of keeping them. And Rick, last question before we get you out of here. It just I think the other the other thing that I think was talked about quite a bit yesterday was the Dwight Howard effect and what it had on last season. You got a couple of comments from Kemba. You got something from Marvin. It was brought up at least a few times. What did you make of the comments from Kemba, from Marvin, on behalf of Dwight Howard's effect on this team last season? I think that they were very gracious. I think they were very diplomatic. And I think that um, <laughs> I think that what they said is both true and not entirely accurate. And here's how I mean that. When they said Dwight is not a bad guy and was not, should not be singularly held responsible for them not making the playoffs last season, both those statements are accurate in, you know, but, but not comprehensive. Dwight was a bad, bad fit here. And it, it, uh, the, the way that he stopped the ball not only affected um, them in general, but very specifically, it, it really negated what Nick does best. What I'm getting at is it's possible that you don't turn Dwight Howard into the devil and still understand that that trade had to happen. 
that you think that's a fair assessment of the way things work? Absolutely. I think when Dwight Howard was here, we all talked about the ball just kind of plodding down to the post, the facilitation. You know, here we are preaching ball movement with Borrego coming in here, and it just didn't happen with Dwight Howard. And if, if you have Borrego, if you have this idea of wanting the ball to move quite a bit, having Nick Batum be a part of this offense way more and just in a better, efficient way. I think Dwight Howard simply did not fall into the equation of making that work. I don't think there's any doubt about it. A Spurs-style, very fluid passing game offense and Dwight Howard are mutually exclusive. I agree. I agree. Rick, we appreciate you joining us here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Have fun in Chapel Hill. You can follow Rick on Twitter at Rick underscore Bunnell. A tremendous follow, as always, for all your Hornets updates, as well as his articles. He's working on one right now. He'll tweet that out again on his Twitter page at Rick underscore Bunnell, or you can find it on the website charlotteobserver.com. Rick, thanks so much for joining us here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. We appreciate it. As always, Walker, fun conversation. Have a great day. Absolutely. You too. Once again, that was Rick Bunnell. We'll talk to you after the break. It's Walker Mail, Nada Edwards, and Doug Branson on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. Now that we have this question, I, got, I, I feel like I need to ask this. Mm-hmm. Are y'all sweet potato pie folks or you pumpkin pie folks? Pumpkin pie folks. Sweet potato folk. Pumpkin pie. Sweet yeah. potato. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Thanks to Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer joining us here today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. We are coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. Fantasy football, it's underway, and we have two fantasy football shows to help you max out your scores. Doug, I thought about you this weekend when Chris Carson uh, put on 32 carries against the Dallas Cowboys because one, Pete Carroll was basically mistaken on the fact that Chris Carson was gassed. And then the next week, he decides to give Chris Carson the most carries that we've seen from a running back in this young season so far. I thought you would like that because you lost by .1. Had he given just one of those 32 carries from Chris Carson the week after, just the previous week, you would have been winning and you would have won at least one more game this year. Well, let me just start by saying I really appreciate you, Walker, for bringing all of this up again. Uh, It makes me feel... So good. Uh, also, I didn't do what a lot of people do in that situation and bench Chris panic. Carson. I didn't panic. Good I job. did. I did get the points. I got all twenty-four of his fantasy points, and I lost by one point. Again, you lost by a point one more again. Well, so last week I lost by point one. This <laughs> yeah, week right. I lost by so an entire point. So. I can rest easy knowing that. <laughs> all that is, I mean, that's brutal. I, and then last week, we learned after the show, you informed us of something that would have made that loss even worse that I didn't know about. Doug, what was the other thing that made that worse last week? So last week, I lost by point one, but I also lost to my ex-girlfriend in <laughs> Ooh, high school and, sh- and college. <laughs> so it's, That's it's hilarious just, to me. Because we started this a long time ago. This league's been going on for 10 plus years now. And so my wife is in it, my groomsmen are in it, my, yes, and, and people from my past, all kinds of people are in it. <laughs> so, I mean, I just, I can't think of a worse loss than a one loss to your ex-girlfriend. I, I, there's got to be something out there, but I can't think of it. So, 
If you have any kind of luck that Doug has, losing by point one to your ex-girlfriend or somebody in your past that you just maybe dislike or that it's just kind of weird that you lost to him, or if you lost by a point, like Doug did as well this past week. Fantasy football, they do have two shows for you. Locked on Fantasy Football 24-7 gives you all the latest news, waiver suggestions, and injury news. Locked on Fantasy Football is now Locked on Fantasy Football experts with amazing guests every day. Monday's Tom Kucinich, Tuesday's Eric Edholm, Wednesday's Jeff Ratliff, and Tyler Lechner. So we'll move on. Reaction from Rick's, uh, I guess, reactions from Rick's reaction on the comments made. Reactions to the reactions. Reactions to the reactions of Rick. That sounds uh, like a rash. From Hornets Media Days. Uh, I think, you know, first, let's just start out with Kimba. Just it's the it's the thing to go to here with Kimba coming out immediately dismissing any other questions after Hornets Media Day that focuses on NBA free agency. Kimba comes out. He's no longer the shy guy that we once knew, maybe the guy a little bit more uncomfortable talking to the media. He has now declared his position. I will not discuss free agency free agency with you after today. I thought that was interesting. Also, he does say he wants to be here in Charlotte, and Rick seems to say, you know, it's, it's not a done deal. There are certainly scenarios that you could see him being shipped out of Charlotte, but for the most part, it's on the Hornets. Kemba says he wants to be here. Mitch Kupchak and company have said they like him. They, of course, they respect everything he's done for the franchise but there are some scenarios that could see him out not I know you don't think he is going to leave I don't think he's gonna leave and the only way I'd see him leaving is if this team gets a Nick Batum injury and they win like 20 something games I think if they're close and by close I mean 36 to 39 wins which obviously isn't that hard to do being that they've had 36 wins the last two seasons the only I just don't see them trading him because I think as well, there's a lot of those guys that have still that are still there that remember the whole Gerald Wallace fallout and them trading him midseason and it basically nuking a bunch of goodwill with the fan base. So I don't think he if he leaves, he leaves in July and I don't think he's going as I've said before, to New York. I put out an angry Facebook status when Gerald Wallace was traded from mm-hmm. the Charlotte Bobcats and my aunt commented on it because I think I put a curse word in there. I was in high school and I put a curse word in there <sighs> oh, and my no. aunt commented on it back and basically said, you know, does your mom not check out your Facebook? My mom doesn't care that I put out a curse <laughs> word there. So that wasn't really the thing. But I guess I probably shouldn't have put a curse word out there. But, yeah, I was pretty angry, just as every other fan was when Gerald Wallace was sent. And I would imagine you would have I – pro- I don't know if you would have the worse. same kind of reaction. You worse. think it would be worse? Worse. I I get it, but I feel like the circumstances are a little bit more understandable because when Gerald Wallace was shipped out, who was he traded for again? It was – It who, wasn't who came much. Over from, who came over from Portland in that trade? God, the fact that we can't even remember that is awful. Yeah. Like, I, I forget. But that's also what tells you how forgettable that trade was. <laughs> I know. You're right. Well, that's why, yeah, that's why I'm saying Gerald Wallace would be worse. Yeah, so Doug, super producer that he is, Gerald Wallace was traded – Joel Prisbilla, that's right, and reserve forward Dante Cunningham. That is an ugly trade. My God. Yeah. That Gerald Wallace for Joel Prisbilla. I think the pick turned out to be something. I Dante Cunningham what. and center Sean Marks, and they also acquired a conditional 2011 first-round pick, and that was oh. obtained from New Orleans, and a conditional 2013 first-rounder from the 2000, from the Trailblazers. So. I guess those picks did get a little bit better. I guess the picks. I was about to say there's no way I that could have happened. I think that pick is the eight, the 18 that they tra- ended up trading up to get Biz 
if I'm not mistaken. And Biz is back. Yeah, it all comes yeah. full circle. So that, that trade worked out fantastic. So we have followed the train of the Gerald Wallace trade. And still, to this day, I would be angrier about that than trading Kimba Walker because it does mean a rebuild if you trade Kimba Walker. I mean, the, you don't want to win now. You don't have the intentions of winning now if you don't side Kimba Walker. Quite frankly, I think we're Kemba Walker away from a rebuild anyway. I think no, I, I agree. slowly but surely, I think that would be the official sign that the rebuild is here. Right. I also think that there are people that buy tickets that do not realize that the rebuild is that close. Unfortunately, they don't listen to this podcast. They should, but unfortunately <laughs> they don't, and they have not educated themselves to the possibility that, hey, this team might not be that good. Uh, Doug, your reaction to Kimba's comments at Hornets Media Day, nixing any kind of questions that would happen after Media Day and also saying he wants to be a Hornet. Yeah, the will he, won't he in free agency, that's kind of interesting. The will they, won't they for the Hornets, will they trade him, will they not trade him if things go wrong, that's kind of interesting. The most interesting thing, though, is Kimba Walker trying to get out in front of this and set a media narrative, interacting with the, the media in a proactive way as opposed to a reactive way, I think it tells you sort of the evolution that's happening with Kemba Walker in his NBA career. He's about to approach free agency in a significant way for the first time, and he's coming off back-to-back All-Star appearances. I think he's he's finding himself a little bit as an as an NBA pro, and finding and, himself as in he's getting to be. A, Big boy, Kimba Walker. Right. Pound his chest a little bit. Exactly. And he was a late bloomer as a pro. So this this is all stuff that would normally happen for someone that comes out of, you know, college and after three seasons is suddenly a star. This would be happening in their fourth, fifth year. It's happening for Kimba a little later. It's also a little naive to think that he's just going to come out and say that and stop the narrative. Like people are still going, especially if things don't start well for the Hornets, Questions are going to be asked both of the organization and Kemba Walker. There's nothing he can do to stop that. Well, what about local media? Because when you go to New York, yeah, those guys don't care. When you when you go to you know other when you go to other teams and you're on the road and other teams want to talk to you and somebody happens to bring up free agency, yeah, they're not paying attention to Hornets Media Day and they're saying, all right, guys, Kemba said no, you won't get anything from us. So you're going to get it when they're on the road. I feel like at least the local media gets it. Like, yeah, he, he's kind of told, I'm not saying we're going to stop. Uh, wholeheartedly, but I would imagine it does stop it to some degree. You forget about the guy that was asking all those Dwight questions incessantly all <laughs> all yesterday. Yeah, well, I, maybe he doesn't give a whole lot of answers to it, but yeah, I, that was. But it's also when did Kimball Walker become? I mean, he's been king of Charlotte basketball for several years. We just don't now. want him to act like it now. But right? now he's tyrant. He's tyrant, Kimball Walker. Silence, silence, media. <laughs> Off with your head if you ask me about free agency, you peasants. I'm with it. I don't know about y'all. I no, like I liked it too. I, I liked him coming out. I thought there was something to respect there. Like, okay, it's a new Kimba. Kimba knows what he's worth now. Kimba's well, feeling himself. We've all been he feeling should. him. And here's the thing. If the Hornets play well and and they're, they get off to a great start and they head towards the, the all-star break looking like a playoff basketball team, then the questions probably won't be asked. But there's nothing to stop those questions from being asked if this team is a disaster heading into the All-Star break because, or towards the trade deadline because that's when Kimball Walker's value in terms of being traded will be at its highest. A um, couple things I wanted to talk about that Rick said, just hearing from him. One, 
I think, you know, we're, we've gone through a lot of the stuff that we talked about with Rick, and I don't think there was anything too new that we haven't touched on. He did discuss, you know, and reiterated MKG looks like he's yeah. the most likely guy on the outside looking in. We did talk about his, I don't know if we talked about his attitude to those questions as much, resigned, though. though. And I, I think, well, I just think he kind of showed, you know, it seemed like he just didn't mind. I mean, it just seemed kind of like he brushed off his shoulder, you know, oh, three to four, you know, it's all the same to me. Like, I'll, I'll play the three, I'll play the four. The tab doesn't matter to me. The title doesn't matter. I'm going to play whatever they want me to do. I'm just going to hoop, I think, is exactly what he That's said. That's exactly what he said, and honestly... I like that mentality for him because, you know what, maybe that gets people to leave him alone. That might put a little less pressure on him, and then he can go back to doing what he does best. That's not necessarily a bad thing for a guy like Michael Kidd Gilchrist. I don't know why, to me, I feel like, and I talked about this on the wake-up call, and you know, they were, you know, Molly and Bobby, they were more interested in, in discussing, you know, why the hell is it Frank, which, you know, sure. <laughs> that is certainly a conversation worth having. Why the hell is Frank making these comments about Steve Clifford, right? Like, you know, why, why is Frank the guy that is making these comments about the old style, which is yeah. what he we talked about yesterday? I just found it fascinating to me because here we were discussing what it was like behind closed doors with Steve, Clifford's and, Steve Clifford and that roster. And to me, I think, you know, Frank gave you some light to it. I'm not surprised by it. I just think he gave you some light. I think it's noteworthy. Malik Monk, happy to move on. Again, I mentioned it with Rick. I feel like it was Kimba and Marvin that would have liked to see Steve back. Not that there's anything against James Borrego. I think they like James Borrego, genuinely. I think mm-hmm. you know Kimba's certainly happy Jay Hernandez is here. I, I think you know there's a lot of good things to like about this new coaching staff. I really like this new coaching staff. I just think those are the two guys, right, and Marvin Kimba that – I mean that maybe at the beginning didn't want to necessarily see Steve Clifford leave, and I think everybody else they're they're ready. You know they had some things to say about the old system. Well, Steve Clifford was demanding on young players. He he demanded certain things happen if they were to get playing time. He wasn't handing out minutes, and one wonders if some of these young guys that sort of made those subtle digs at the old regime, if they like the idea of something new, if they like the idea of Borrego. And, and will that match reality when Borrego comes in? Because, Walker, you've hit on this several times. Borrego has made comments that he's going to demand defense. And if Borrego sticks to that, then the situation won't change for several of these players. It's I'm interested in what people choose to put the emphasis on because Borrego has put emphasis on the pace of the offense. Certainly we have. It's something worth discussing. But he discusses also that the number one thing they want to do is play good defense. I mean, he's he's said those things, and I don't think mm-hmm. we're paying attention a lot to that. So if they're going to play good defense, then, you know, I don't, Frank at the five, it, or do we feel comfortable about that? Absolutely like, not. E- even at the five, I mean, on the perimeter, I I don't think you do. And then where does that, does that get MKG a little bit more back into action? You know, if they're going to play him at the four, I, I don't know how good you feel about that, but I believe it does bring MKG a little bit back in if you're going to preach defense. MKG certainly one of the better defenders on this team. So I'm just interested to see how that's going to affect everybody else. What What is the emphasis on? Who finds the best marriage between their defensive abilities and offensive abilities in order to keep them on the floor? The one thing I worry about, if we're starting to talk about Frank at the five and MKG at the four, do you know what's going to happen? There's going to be a lot of 1-5 high screener rolls with no one to protect the rim. Guess who suffers on that? A guy like MKG who's asked to cover two or three guys. Maybe in this new scheme, he can just have to worry about guarding his own man. But for right now, 
Frank at the four, five and MKG at the four doesn't solve anything but more buckets. And and again, I, I'm just interested in, you know, Borrego, he, he is a rim protector. He does like the idea of protecting the rim, as we saw it in Orlando. So where does Biz fit in that? It's it's interesting to see how everything fits as far as the threes, the fours, the fives. A lot of position versatility there. And there's a lot of competition up, and we'll see some of that come to fruition here in Chapel Hill as they are going through training camp right now. And they'll play the Boston Celtics here in a preseason game before the regular season starts. Thanks for joining us here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We have plenty more going on for you as well. The Locked On Network is expanding with college shows just recently in place. We've added Locked On Wolverines, Buckeyes, and Seminoles. Plus, we're already locked on to the Ducks, Nittany Lions, the Bears, the Crimson Tide, the Wildcats, Razorbacks, Volunteers, and the Cougars. You can find your favorite college show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Locked On Hornets. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Walker Mail, not Edwards, Doug Branson. Thanks again for joining us. See you guys. <laughs>